Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne today. We like your mercy. We like your grace. We like your help. We like all of the things that we find in your throne room. And we are honored, privileged to be here, to be welcome here, to know that we have a place here. You, you want us here, Lord, and that's so wonderful. So we thank you for this opportunity. We don't take it lightly. We thank you for it. And we honor you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. So uh, we're going to continue talking about spoiling the strong man, uh, how that's done. And I thought we needed to study a little bit more detail about the spirit of Pharaoh so that we would get an understanding of how uh, God is moving with us because I don't know about you, but if you read your Bible, you'll see more and more manifestations of this, uh, especially in our government. It's a governmental spirit because it is, Pharaoh was the leader of Egypt. And so this spirit works in people and leadership roles. It will work in heads of households. It will work in heads of organizations. Um, my my thought is that a political spirit and a religious spirit are the same thing. One works in the church, the other one works in the world. And so these these spirits uh, operate through uh, people in leadership, especially in strong leadership. Uh, there's no male and female in the spirit realm, but some work uh, more. Uh, they're more compatible with a male personality than a female personality. Uh, if, if you look at, say, for instance, if you look at the lesbian homosexual community, those are spirits. Those people weren't, they were born male and female to that particular gender. But you'll see them get crossed up and see that's a spirit that can invade uh, an effeminate spirit, can invade a man, and a masculine spirit can invade a woman. But many times they stick with their own gender uh, to uh, to get in a kind of like undetected. So a uh, pharaoh spirit is a very dominant male type uh, uh, personality. Then you have uh, Ahab, who is a passive male personality. You see men who... Uh, you know, they just let their wives, you know, kind of run everything. And well, because they don't want to be responsible. And so that that kind of spirit kind of flows with an aggressive type of a female, etc. And they play off one another. So and you'll see them change. They, they change because everybody's not dominant all the time and everybody's not passive all the time. So these three entities kind of play off one another in leadership roles. And so what, what we, when dealing with Pharaoh, you, you need to examine the, the characteristics and nuances so you can you, you can take authority over this thing. This is why we do it. This is not just for for a table conversation or trying to make somebody think you're real knowledgeable and uh, which gets into religion in the church. You know, there's a lot of religion still among us where people want to know the names of spirits and, you know, and we're name droppers in the church, especially now that we've got uh, people on in mass media you know, everybody wants to drop somebody's name that they've watched on television to see. Did you hear what so-and-so said? Well, I follow their ministry. And, you know, you heard like one teaching that they did. And, you know, all of a sudden you're a follower. And so a lot of this stuff we get involved in just in hearsay. But as watchmen, we're not hearsay people. 
when we study things, we study to get weapons of warfare. We, you have to understand the strategies of the enemy. You have to understand how the enemy comes in, uh, in subtle ways, in overt ways, and in all kinds of ways, and understand how they operate in these different realms. So, so we're still going to be in the book of Exodus and understanding a little bit more about how the spirit operates and look at how, what situations are going on in the world today. And especially in our country today, because this spirit is now more, uh, more dominant, more, uh, exposed than it's ever been before, it always works behind the scenes. And you'll see how it works behind the scenes. And, and sometimes you don't detect this as a demon, but it is. And, and so you got, because they're subtle and they, they can convince people that they're doing things for your good. They can convince people that everything's okay, that they're going to help you out and they wind up not helping you out. You, you know, that, that political thing that comes and say, Oh, you know, uh, we, we want to know what you want. Send me to Washington and I'll do this, this and this. And you never hear from them again till it's time to go to elections again. And they never fulfill the wishes of the people. Well, that's Pharaoh. Amen. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. And he can make so many promises with a straight face and never get anything done. And But it's up to we the people to hold them accountable. There's ways to hold people accountable, folks. You you just need to find out. And most people are just, oh, I don't have time for that. I got the kids. I got, you know, soccer. I got this. I got that. Well, that's what he likes. He likes you to be too busy to pay attention to what he's doing. So so the, we're going to go through some of this so you'll see it kind of step by step here. In Exodus chapter 5, this is the first time that uh, Moses confronts Pharaoh. So we know that God has instructed Moses to go and talk to Pharaoh and give him one message. Let my people go for a purpose. Amen. Uh, and, and this is what upsets Pharaoh because when he says, let my people go so that they can come and worship me. When, when you say that to anybody who has power or authority or control, they don't believe for one minute that you're going to go do anything for God. Amen. So they're, they don't want to honor that. And you see that a lot now, now that, that uh, businesses are open seven days a week. Uh, you see it in, in many instances in, in some of the service, um, uh, careers where people have to work 24 seven. You'll see that, that they don't want you to let, to let you have a day off to worship God. Churches have been, uh, flexible in that they've all, always had midweek services. But they're in the evening. So if you work nights or you work evenings, you can't even get a lot, a, a, you know, a time to worship corporately there either. And so it's, it's this thing that keeps us away from God, keeps us, uh, keeps this gap between us and God, keeps us from having enough peace to settle out so that we could have a whole day to worship God. And, and so it's kind of confused people. And what it's done is it has forced people to think that, that church is optional. Amen. So you get the impression from people that, 
well, you know, I, I, I will go to church on Sunday, but I'm so tired when I get finished with my job. You know, all of this, we play into that mentality of, of not wanting people to get free from, from their everyday life. What, what Pharaoh wants to be worshiped. Government wants to be worshiped. You gotta understand that. They, there are people in every government that want more control, that want more power, that want more say so over our lives, that want, they just want it. And, and the more power people are given, the more they crave. And so you'll see a, a lot of times in, in government, if you've got people who really understand their governmental system and want to put some restraints on power in their government, they will, they will warn people when you're getting close to giving up too much authority. They said, no, you don't want to vote for this. Now I'm not going to sponsor this bill because I don't believe we should take this away from the people. These people should be defending our sovereignty, our authority and our rights. One of the, one of the tell alls on Gaining too much control is when the government goes after your guns. And see, a lot of people don't believe in that. They don't believe that that's a power struggle. But if you look at history, don't, don't, you don't have to take anybody's word for this. You look at history. Every dictator has confiscated weapons from the people because our constitution provides the right to defend yourself, self-protection is a constitutional right, and it provides that not against your neighbor, but against government. In case your government gets so far out of control that they want to take take all control from you, your last defense is is a militia that can stand against an, an overpowering government. So that's why you see people fighting so hard and putting so much money into gun lobbies to keep people with the right to, to bear arms. That is, and that's not really a constitutional right. It's a God-given right. Just like the right of free speech, these rights are, the Bible says they're inalienable, that we are, we are made by a common creator and he has endowed us. It's put into each human being. Anybody who comes and wants to try and break into your house, you're going to just, as a natural, nobody has to call you up and tell you to defend yourself. You don't have to wait for the government to write out that right into a law that you do. This comes automatic. The right to be able to speak and say what you want to speak, that's an automatic thing with all people. And so what our Constitution says, that these rights shall not be abridged it doesn't say we give you the right to do this it says these rights that you have within you we will not as your government we will not abridge these and we promise not to step over our boundaries of power control or anything and you know we've had some some people in in government who are very very sensitive to when government is encroaching what they say encroaching on your individual rights and they will stand against that they will keep i remember listening to i think it was reagan when he he said government is the problem and i said now why would somebody running for president make a statement like that 
but you can see what he's talking about, especially now government wants to get they've taken they've taken the schools over they've taken the the uh uh secondary education and college education now they're in charge of loans it used to be the banks control the money for the loans and to be honest with you they did a much better job because they kept it low and people paid their their loans back now that the government's involved it's way too expensive now they want everybody to pay for everybody's education. It's like, wait a minute, no more. You crossed the line now. Nobody told you to take this burden on to be. We knew you didn't know how to run a a, 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 a finance program. Look at what you do with our taxes. So you don't need more money from us. You need less money and be more accountable with what you got. And so this is the problem, folks, with with government and governmental control. The problem with people, people used to go make their own money. Now everybody's sitting waiting for a check of some kind, you see. And so it it takes your own autonomy away from you, saps your strength, your initiative, everything. It takes it totally away. And so we want to stop this madness, and we have the authority to do it because it is a spirit. It's not a person. Amen. So we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against spiritual forces that speak to people in high offices and give them ideas and give them strategies and give them ways to get more control over more things and give the people less and less, less and less freedom. And your first freedom you want to maintain is freedom to worship. Amen. You you got to have that. And that's part of your freedom of speech, but freedom of expression, freedom to worship, all of that. So our Constitution guarantees that these inalienable rights, it means you cannot separate a person from these rights. And they're not going to be abridged. They're not going to be encroached upon. They're not going to be forbidden to you. Our government promises not to forbid this to anybody. But look at what they do on social media. They deplatform you. If they don't like what you say, they close your account. Amen. You're only allowed to say certain things. So this thing is everywhere, folks. It's, it's seeping. It's, well, it's done more than seeping. It's right now it's running for its life because it's very exposed. And there are many, many people now who can look at it. I see so many people who I, I consider to be secular, even though they're Christian people, you know, they, they, they're not like born again and spirit filled like we are. They're from a different Christian background, but they respect the Lord Jesus Christ as much as their knowledge uh, gives them. You know, they'll say things like these pharaohs have to let our government go. And you listen to them, you say, huh? Because you've been waiting, we've been waiting for the church to catch on all of these years and they haven't caught on yet. But see, if God has to raise up somebody else, he doesn't care who he gives the job to as long as the job gets done. Amen. He'll use people who are, are obedient, who will listen to him, who will carry out the word of the Lord. And so, uh, here we have Moses is been given a mandate from God to, to go and tell Tell this demon to let my people go. Amen. Just a devil with skin on. And, and you will see Pharaoh some of his characteristics of being very, very resistant to change. And this is the prob- problem with power. Once people take it, they are extremely reluctant to let it go. 
you won't get. Like people will say things, once you pass a bill in Congress, in our Congress, they say you can forget about getting it back again. They, they, you know, if you give them so much money in a budget for this, they'll hold on to that money. They'll never come at the end of the year and say, gee, we got all this money we never got a chance to use. We're going to give it back to the people. You'll get that every now and then, but you don't get that too often. And so it's best to hold on to power while you can. Don't let them have it. As long as just make them be accountable for what, don't go for that sob story. We need more money and we can do that. No, you better start using what you got and use it for what you said you were going to use it for. That's what they tell us to do. Amen. They tell churches, you can't, and there have been people Ministers who, because they didn't file their taxes right, wind up in prison. They'll slap you in the clink in a minute because of some error on your tax return. So, you know, don't give me that they can't be accountable. We need to hold these human beings accountable, but we need to take authority away from these demons that that hover over seats of authority and speak into people's heads and give them ideas and tell them this and tell them that. So here we have God uh, uh, in, empowers Moses. This is his anointing. His anointing is for signs and wonders and for speaking to leadership. So many times we have ministers uh, who are are anointed to speak on that level to leaders, governmental leaders, all of that. In fact, anybody can be anointed to do that. If God sends you to do that, go do it. He tells you to write a letter, write a letter. He tells you to make a phone call, make a phone call. And 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 so he uh, anoints him to confront Pharaoh and command that he let his people go. Why? So that they can come into the wilderness and worship God. And so uh, it takes God a while to get Moses to accept the call. Uh, Moses first is nervous about speaking, uh, and, and uh, he, people preach that he's a stutterer. I've never seen that in the Bible. I don't think it's true. Uh, it says he was mighty in word and deed, but Moses did not grow up with the Hebrew people. He doesn't know the Hebrew language. So it's like when, when God told, um, uh, in, if you look here in, uh, Exodus chapter four, and, and, uh, lucky Jesus. Verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent. It says eloquent. It, that means fluent in speech. Neither heretofore, not since you have spoken unto your servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow language. So what he's saying, it's like if you spoke Spanish to me, I can probably pick up two or three words that are familiar to me, but I'm slow trying to figure out exactly how to put them together and what you said. So that's what it is when there's a language barrier. That's all that's, that's, that's being mentioned here. But you know, King James, we don't speak that way anymore and people interpret it different ways. But, but if you look over in the book of Acts, it talks about, um, Moses being mighty in word and deed. So he wasn't a stutterer. He wasn't, you know, cause after a while he starts talking and Pharaoh listens to him. And listen, and God tells him this, and God said, who has made man's mouth? Do you understand what I'm saying? Who made his mouth? 
and or who makes the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind have not I the Lord now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say now this is true of anybody that God calls God is with your mouth when you go out and you speak on his behalf and he said oh my lord send I pray you by the hand of him that you will send in other words get somebody else and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? Okay. So God says, I've got your answer. He says, I know that he can speak well. He he is fluent in Hebrew. He can talk to Hebrew people and convince them that I sent him. Amen, or I sent you. So he says, I know that he can speak well, and also behold, he's coming now to meet you. And when he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart, and you will speak with him and put words in his mouth. So this is an interpreter. This is how interpreters relate to the one. Moses is telling Aaron what God says, and then Aaron, in exchange, begins to speak both in Hebrew and in Egyptian because he knew both languages, but Moses was kind of slow on his Hebrew. Plus, he's been in Midian for 40 years. So he's speaking a third language. You know, here's a third language he speaks fluently, but he doesn't speak Hebrew, and he's lost Egyptian. He was hoping he didn't have to go there no more. So here he is having to go back again. But God tells him the people that wanted to kill him are dead, and so he's free to go back. Amen? It's a type of Christ. Remember? Jesus fled. Amen? And then the people that were trying to kill him died, and he was able to go back to amen, Nazareth or Jerusalem. And he says, he says, and you shall speak and to him and put words in his mouth. In other words, I'm going to talk to you, Moses, and I'm going to tell you what to tell Aaron, and Aaron is going to tell Pharaoh and going to help you out with the language barrier. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. Okay, and he shall be your spokesman to the people. So here, uh, uh, Aaron has to listen to Moses tell him what God says, and then he translates for him into the Hebrew language. It says, and, and he shall be, even he shall be unto you instead of a mouth, and you shall be unto him instead of a God. So he says, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you. I'm training you to be the leader. So I'm going to talk to you. I don't care what your excuses are for this language barrier and stuff. I got a translator for you. I got this for you. But you're the one that I've called to do this job. And you're not going to get out of it. And he says, and he shall be your spokesman to the people. And and he should, and I'm going to, he said, I'm going to talk to you. And, and instead of him having to come to me, he can get my messages through you. Amen. And it says, he says, and you shall take this rod in your hand and with it you shall do signs. Amen. So he's already let Moses try it out. He told Moses what's in your hand. He threw the rod down. He turned it to a serpent. He got scared of it. He told him, pick it up by the tail, not the face. Hello. And it turned into a, a rod again. So, so Moses now has supernatural power. He's got power in his mouth. And that's really all you need. You need a mouth and you need an anointing. Amen. And, and you're on your way. 
Amen. And and Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and decided, asked Jethro if he could leave, and he took his wife and his children with him. And in verse 21, the Lord said to Moses, when you go to return to Egypt, see that you do all these wonders in front of Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand, but I will harden his heart and he will not let the people go. And you shall say, continue to say to Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn, and I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. And if you refuse to let him go, I will slay your son, your firstborn. So here you see, now how does this, this is very familiar to us if you think about it. What happened when Moses was born? Over almost 80 years ago now. All the firstborn of Israel were commanded to be murdered. Amen. And so Moses was was put in his little basket. And sent down the Nile River, amen, and, and, you know, it was put in, 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 uh, in the plan for him to be rescued out of the Nile. And, and it was known that he was a Hebrew. That's the first thing that, uh, uh, Pharaoh's daughter, it just happened, royalty picked him up. That was God's plan also. Amen. Now, how did she know that he was one of the Hebrew babies? That could be anybody baby float down there. Anybody? Diaper change. Ah, there we go. There we go. See, that's a positive ID, right? So it wasn't that she assumed he was. She took him in knowing full well he's supposed to be dead. So God does the first miracle in in making sure Moses stays alive. And they know he's a Hebrew. Amen. And so this is the miracle because there weren't many he's his age that survived. You know, um, Aaron and, and the rest of the brethren, you know, got through because Aaron had been born first and he was of age. So they killed the newborn babies. Amen. And so this is the, the thing that, that Moses is, is spared for that reason. He's set aside for that reason. He's known in the palace as a Hebrew, but he is being trained just like he's an Egyptian. That's what they did when they conquered people. They took the cream of the crop and they decided that they would do certain things with them that even the parents saw that Moses was a special child. He had no blemish on him whatsoever, so he qualified uh, for the priesthood. And it says here, uh, Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and he, he went and, and, uh, he, God told him, you're gonna do wonders, uh, among the people. And it says here, um, it, it came to pass in verse 24, by the way in the end that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet. See, the reason God was going to kill Moses is because he didn't circumcise his son. So here's more, I'm just pointing this out to give you more evidence. He don't know nothing about being no Hebrew. Not a, let alone the language. He doesn't know the habits. He doesn't know the customs. He doesn't know God. He's a rough cut. Because when he first met God, 
most of the Hebrew is a tradition that if God spoke to you, you turned your back because if you saw his face, you would die. Moses just standing there, you know, barefoot and everything, just, you know, enjoying the presence, I guess, basking in the ambience. And God said, boy, take your shoes off. I'm here. That makes it holy ground. Amen. So Moses is very, very ignorant of their ways, their customs. His wife isn't even a Hebrew, and she has to do the circumcision. She is, she knows about that. Amen. And so, um, so this is, this is, getting Moses together. So if you think you're ignorant because you got saved, you wouldn't grew up in church and you didn't do this and you don't, you know, chill out. Amen. You're here now. God can take it from where you are. Amen. You, you're not as a rough a cut as Moses and he's training him to be in charge of everything. So, so then Aaron starts, uh, um, uh, putting, beginning to distribute the news that God has put him in charge of the people. Aaron then begin, becomes a spokesperson. And Aaron begins to explain to the children of Israel and the elders that Moses has been chosen. In verse 30, and Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord has spoken to Moses. And he did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction and they bowed their heads in reverence and worship to the Lord. Amen. So the first persons that Moses has to convince that he's okay, he convinces them. So he has confidence now that God is going to be with him and he's going to do what he tells him to do. So he goes on now, he and Aaron go on to confront Pharaoh about letting God's people go. And their first confrontation um, doesn't go too well, I don't think, as far as what they want. In uh, Exodus chapter 5, start in verse 4, uh, you know, a, Pharaoh begins to quiz Moses about, who is this God that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know him. I won't let him go, etc., etc. And in verse 3, and they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us go. We're begging you three days journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. So they are in effect threatening Pharaoh, showing him uh, God is serious this time. It's not going to be good for you. And the king of Egypt said to them, Wherefore do you, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works go and, and get back to your work, go back to your birds? And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and you make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day to the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, don't any more give them straw to make bricks as you did before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves, and the tail of the bricks which they did make heretofore you shall lay upon them. You shall not diminish anything thereof, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, saying, let's go and sacrifice to our God. So Pharaoh thinks the reason that you got time to worship, you don't got enough to do. So this is why you see now two people working in the household. This, and, and we've gotten now to the point where it's necessary. 
before it was optional because their women have always worked. This women working outside the household is not new, folks. Women who, who there were certain women that had certain professions that took them away from their children for a season, and they could, you know, you'll find find tradition what they call traditional female occupations. You know, nurses, teachers, they were always flexible in that a teacher had the summer off, so she could make it up to her family, you know, so to speak. Most teachers would wait until their children got into school. You would see that often teachers brought their children to school with them. You know, in the the rural areas where the one-room schoolhouse was, that teacher. And then, you know, people now, you don't have to get an act of Congress to take your baby to work with you. But because they've always done it if they needed to. If you worked in the fields, baby was right out there with you. You know, you work wherever. People made adjustments. But they didn't kill themselves trying to make a living because making a living was hard enough under normal circumstances. Now that we've got modern conveniences, you know, it doesn't take a woman uh, three days to do the laundry because the rub board is gone. It's an automatic washer. If the dryer's there, you don't have to hang them up on the, the line all day long. You know, it's a lot less work. You, you got a microwave, a crock pot. So, so how the heavy burden of housework has been eliminated by technology, but now Pharaoh's come to replace it. So he never gives up. Do you understand what I'm saying? It just gets transferred onto something else. Then you got this, this movement starts of women, eh, we gotta work outside. We don't want to burn your bra, do this, do that. We're just as good as a man. We gotta work outside the household. Well, you didn't have to make a, a movement out of it. You've always had an opportunity. Amen? Somebody made a joke one time and said they think the women's movement was thought of by a man because the man still gets a better deal out of it. There are a lot of men that sit at home and let their wives work. They don't even go anywhere. They said, well, I'll take care of the kids. Somebody got to do it. We're not paying anybody to do what I can do. You understand what I'm saying? So this role reversal is very common part of Pharaoh's repertoire. This business of working hard so that you don't have time for God. That's the whole, is to keep people away from God. Because Pharaoh wants to be your God. He wants to be the one you look to for everything. He wants to be the one that controls everything. So when he finds out the people, children of Israel, got, quote, unquote, free time for worship, it's mandatory time. It ain't free time. It's mandatory time. Because we can't survive if we don't. We don't have a covenant that that we're, if we don't worship God, we, we don't have anything from him. Our covenant it, it dictates that we worship him, amen, that we put him first, that we serve him. We be about the father's business. It's not a casual thing where, well, you know, God understands. No, you better fight to get out to worship him because if you don't, the next thing is going to happen, amen. It's they never have enough control and enough power. So the first thing the Pharaoh spirit does is will separate the believer from God. He wants to separate you from God by making you believe that you got to work 12 hours a day. It's mandatory. He makes it mandatory. So, so when overtime is offered, let me show you how subtle it is. When overtime is offered, 
the average man will say, well, we need a few extra things. You know, I, I was thinking about, you know, putting a, a new porch on the back. Maybe we can get it faster if I put in some extra. That's how it starts. It's subtle, just like that. And then pretty soon, you didn't quite save enough from the overtime to do the porch like you said. So you had to put it on a credit card to get it done, to get it finished. Now you got to keep working the overtime so that you can pay the credit card off. So it's always a, a bridge too far. It always takes you over the edge so that you have to commit to working all of your extra time just to make a living. Just And this is how people have gotten stretched out. They're, now they're trying to make it sound cute. You've heard people say, you got to have a side hustle. You got to have a grind and then you got a side hustle. So what that means is everybody works two jobs now. It's not like you, nobody works a job and nobody just works a job. Uh, the man goes out and makes a living and woman stays at home and rears a family. That's people like, look at you like you ought to be ashamed of yourself for thinking like that. What's wrong with you? You can't work. You think you're too good to work? Or you got a disability, you can't go out. You know, they just just look at you strange. Why? Because this spirit has taken on the mentality, taken over the mentality of the people. So the people start to agree with what this dictator is telling you must be done. Why is that happening? Well, look at what they're doing in schools now. And you'll see why it's happening. They haven't taught children to read and write and do arithmetic at their grade level in over 30 years. They have not come up to the standards that the Board of Education sets for them. They're not teaching them in the schools anymore. Amen. I was which I think I've told this story before. I was watching a documentary on a Naz the rapper, Nazir. Anybody know Naz Senior Naz? Uh, yeah, they um, they uh, did a documentary on him. And I was watching, and I said, well, this is kind of interesting. Let me see who this brother is. I don't know from Nazan. I didn't even know how to pronounce his name. But uh, but anyway, I watched it. Something captivated me, though, when he was speaking. And he said this. He said, yeah, my father was a musician. He said he he's traveled all over the world. He said musicians do that. He said he'd been to Europe and... And he studied music there and he played with musicians. He's a world traveler. He knows several languages. And so here's a man who's self-educated. And also, I think he was, he'd been to college some, you know, he's one of those intellectual type men. And, and the boys were having trouble in school. And he'd gone up there several times over the course of, of a few years. And this is what he said. He said, okay, he said, I've made a decision. He said, you boys, you don't have to go to school anymore. So don't go up there. He said, those people don't have your best interests at heart. They're not interested in what you are going to become in life. You're not going to be anything but a street thug and a a a criminal if you keep going up there. He said, I'm telling you that. He said, but what I want you to do is you're going to teach yourselves at school. I want you to commit to learn something. You start training yourself for some kind of skill, some kind of craft. I've got plenty of books here. I'll take you to the library. You go to the library and learn on your own. But we're going to decide how you're going to learn. 
and what your curriculum will be. Well, you know how he turned out. You know, he's a musician, very a millionaire at it. His brother, I think, is a musician as well. It was just the two of them. The dad and the mom were separated. So the dad was the, the main parent. So these boys haven't lacked anything. They made, and, and really the reason they did the documentary is because Nas, Nazir, um, was, was endowing a chair at Harvard. I mean, this is a chair, folks. This ain't your chump change. This ain't your, your 10% giving it to a charity to help your taxes. This is continual money coming in so that somebody, they wanted, they needed, uh, somebody over contemporary music to teach the incoming students to be experts at all contemporary music. Oh, rap included. We want the rap here. They didn't even know what to call it, but they want it there. Why? Because this boy got more money for staying out of their stupid school system, you got me, than staying into it. And I'm not against school. You need to learn. If If you got a school you go to, go, but go there with the intent to learn. But I'm talking about a parent way ahead of his time. Since the time he he took his kids out, school choice has come about to get your kids out of public schools. Also, homeschooling has been improved upon so that parents can take them out and school them yourself. All you got to do is prove to the school system. And homeschools are, are, are way ahead of the schools because what are they doing? They're indoctrinated. They got transvestites reading fairy tales to children now. So I would say if, if you're not in there, it's a good move. Get your schooling where you can get it because you can't trust your, your own governmental school systems. They haven't been able to trust them for a long time. That's why a lot of these people are against school choice. They don't want their, the, the school teachers union doesn't want to let go of their control over children. In fact, they have filed, they filed many lawsuits against, um, uh, those, uh, what do they call them? Satellite? They don't call them satellite schools. They're, Charter schools. There are more lawsuits to stop charter schools now, and they need charter schools. They need to take the burden off the public schools. But why do the public school systems fight them? Money. Control. They want, who controls everything controls the money. That's the bottom line of it, folks. They want the money coming in. So Pharaoh tells them, nope. Uh, we're going to make, if you got time to go to church, you got time to work an extra shift. That's what he's saying here. Amen. And so that's why many times when you say, if you go and get a job and you tell them you need Sundays off for church, they'll persecute you. They might hire you, but pretty down the line somewhere, they're going to want that Sunday back. See, that's Pharaoh. Amen. Now, if you're smart, you read your prayer, man, you keep it bound. You see it operating at your job. Don't sit there and let it tell you what to do. You take authority over it. Say, nope, Pharaoh, you don't tell me what to do. I obey God. And see what God does for you. Not enough people fight it on that level. You want to get mad at somebody at the job. You want to look evil when you go in there. You want to do everything but fight it on a spiritual level. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. That person is just doing what the devil tells them to do. And that is to keep you from worshiping God. Amen. It's the same thing with the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The vaccine mandates where, where people wanted to, 
to not take the jab because they want to stand on the word. That's your business if you want to stand on the word of God. And many of them were forced to take it. A lot of those people don't even work anymore. They've got those injuries from it more than you know because they keep it hush-hush. Not going to tell all the statistics. You got to dig to find information like this. So that's his other thing. He keeps everything a secret from the people. He tell you one thing and do another thing. And you'll see that real clear in his dealing with Moses. It says here, so, so what he did was scatter the people in, in, uh, verse nine, it says, Pharaoh said, let there be more work laid upon them. You got time to go to church. I give you a double shift on Sunday that they may labor therein and let them not regard vain words. In other words, this spirit thinks you going to church is vain. He don't even believe in church. Amen. And so this is what you're up against. You're not going to, you're not going to get somebody like this to be sympathetic to your situation. You'll be the first one they want to put on under a burden. Amen. It says, and the taskmasters of the people went out and their officers and they spoke to the people saying, thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. So you go and you get straw where you can find it. But you still got to do the same amount of work as you were doing before. So this is the taskmaster who tells you got to work through break, tells you, 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 we'll just compensate you. We'll give you some comp time or something, which you never get. Amen. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters hasted them, saying, fulfill your works, your daily task, as when there was straw. So you do as much work with with having a, an extra burden. We don't care that you got, it takes more time. You got to do it anyway. And the officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and demanded wherefore have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before and the officers of the children of israel came and cried to pharaoh saying wherefore are you dealing with us with your servants there is no straw given that they your servants and they say to us make brick and behold the servants are beaten but the fault is in your own people so this is this is the way this spirit operates as a spirit uh Beating you up mentally is what it will do. These spirits will make you feel guilty when you get a day off. It'll make you feel like, you know, say, for instance, you work in a hospital. and You know what hospitals are like. There's work all the time. When you leave, there's work. When you come in, there's work. So the work never eases up. And and you feel guilty because you took a day off or, or they're shorthanded. We need you to stay a few extra hours, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know you want to go home and you want to rest. Money is not that important to you. And it will make you feel guilty if you don't stay and help out. Amen. And so that's how this, this thing operates and accuses them of being idle. All of that. Amen. And, and... <clears throat> So then Pharaoh is is standing, you know, his ground. He's going to make them work and and make them do what what he wants them to do. And and so God then goes Moses goes back to the Lord and 
verse 22 in chapter 5, Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, why have you, why have you so evil and treated this people? Why is it that you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to the people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. So Moses is frustrated that the first time he speaks to Pharaoh, he doesn't obey him. This is what we have to understand about how this spirit operates. These things are relentless. You can bind them. You can, that's why you, every time you come in here and we sit down to pray, don't we pray this prayer? Because you gotta be relentless on this thing. You can't let, you gotta constantly speak to the devil because he ain't letting go. Amen. So, so he will take his own sweet time. He'll make excuses. He'll come up with all kinds of devices. Why? To keep power over the people. This is what it's about. It's about raw power. It's about not losing control over people. It's about keeping, uh, the people intimidated if he needs to. And so God tells Moses, he said, don't worry about it. You know, uh, you just watch and see what I'm going to do to him, but you got to obey me in order to get the job done. Amen. And so God reiterates to Moses again, and this is the thing that you've got to understand about God. He never changes his mind. He never changes his instructions. He never changes his plans based on how stubborn the enemy is. He does not care how stubborn Pharaoh is. He doesn't care how much he resists. He doesn't care how much he lies. He doesn't care how much anything. This is why a lot of people get tired and fatigued with their prayer assignment. Because if you don't see, now most people think it's supposed to happen instantly. But these things don't, they don't give up. They were here when we, this thing has been in existence since people of God have been here. So you think he's going anywhere? He, he constantly moves to get more territory and get more influence and more power. The only thing that stops him is the word of God and the prayers of the saints. That's why you got to keep a constant pressure on all of these spiritual entities because they do not lose their grip. They will be an authority. They just let go of what they're, they're holding. When the people of God just are relentless and keep at it and at it and at it until God says, okay, I'm ready to move. Amen. And, and move aside. And let me do this. But then you go right back to, to you, your assignment never ends and it never changes. And so because these entities never change, they don't go anywhere. He's still up there in the, in the, uh, the second heaven doing his thing and, uh, you know, giving orders. Holding people in bondage, seducing people over into his dominion. Now it's gotten to the point where people, when the, the one thing that enlightened a lot of parents, and you'll see this if you watch certain, um, uh, news, uh, sites on the internet and you watch and see that most of these parents had no idea what their kids were learning in school until COVID. And when children had to uh, take their lessons on the Internet, 
people, the parents started watching to see, well, what are they doing on there? What is it? What's, and they would see teachers that, that wouldn't even check the assignments. They start checking up on this stuff. And they saw that their kids weren't being given attention. Some of the stuff they were being given to read was, was pornography. All of this stuff, they found out this because now parents were forced to be at home with their children, couldn't go out. So this is how they got enlightened. Amen. God saw to it that people got an understanding of the truth and exactly what was going on. That's why you see so many parents now organizing and, and, and getting stronger and getting more committed to seeing some of these laws change because they finally got to see exactly what their children were learning and this is pharaoh's this is his his um his plan keep parents in the dark separate families we'll see that we saw that the last time you'll see it how he does that he'll say the men you can go men but leave your wife and your kids here well isn't that what our government does now take care of the wife and you know they don't care how many children you have out of wedlock they'll send you a check then you can't have a man in the house, even if one was interested in being around you and all your kids, you know, they'll, you know, I mean, it's, it's pathetic. It really is. And people think it's normal. This isn't what God planned. If you look at what God planned for the, the family, it's a husband and a wife legally married, raising their children together. It's not all this separated stuff out. Amen. But Pharaoh's happy to do it. Why? Because then you got to let him be your daddy. You got to let him tell you what to do. Got to let him run your life because you're looking at him send you a check every month. Other than that, you don't have anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? These are the subtle ways that, that in, in, in this spirit has totally changed our society. You know, if you go and you tell some woman, well, you know, God wants you to be married. Ain't nothing wrong with, you know, you get all that. And it's like, well, okay, so whatever. You know what I'm saying? You can't even get a word into people's minds seriously about what's normal. You understand what they think that's normal because that's the way they live. Amen. But God has a standard that's totally, totally different. And you can come into his way of living your life if you will follow him and obey him. First order business, you got to worship God. Pharaoh don't want you to do that. That's why. Because he, he doesn't want you to taste what a godly life is about. He's scared of people tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. He wants you to think the Lord is after you to do you harm. But he's not. God is good. He's not going to give you something to do that's too hard to do. He expects you to live for him. It's doable. It's just you never heard it before. A lot of people, never they haven't been in church, haven't read a Bible, don't have a, a clue as to what God expects. But boy, you let them get saved for real and taste and see how good the Lord is, you'll see a 360. You'll see a, a, a hundred degree turn in most people. I want to live for God. I know I should have got married before I had these kids, but I didn't know any better. I was doing what everybody else did. Amen? And I don't have to be married. If God will help me raise them on my own, you understand what I'm saying? Or I'll pray and ask God to send me a good husband, and I want to learn to be a good wife. You got me? That kind of stuff. There's redemption for us. There's there's a turnaround for us. And it comes when what? 
you worship God. The one thing he wants you to be too busy to do, too defensive to do, too stuck in your ways to do, too prideful to do. It starts when you begin to worship God. All of that begins to come into your life because you're a new creature. You're not Pharaoh's property anymore. You're now God's property. And that's what Pharaoh doesn't want. He does not want people understanding who they are in Christ, all that God wants to do for them, all that God has planned for them. He don't want you knowing that. He wants you locked into his system, feeling that you don't have any other alternative, any other options. You're not a prisoner anymore. You can come out of that. Amen. So Israel needs to come out. They can't, you can't worship God over in Egypt. You just can't do it. He not, Pharaoh ain't going to let you do it. He's going to keep you too busy doing idle work, work that doesn't amount to anything. Amen. So it says here, the Lord tells Moses, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to send you back to Pharaoh and see what I'm going to do. And he reiterates the promises he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says that in chapter 6 and verse 3, he says, God told Moses, he said, I am the Lord, and I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, by the name of the Lord God Almighty, amen. He was El Elyon, or uh, uh, Almighty God. But by my name, Jehovah, I was not known by them. So he was at a distance from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Almighty God is the God who is El Shaddai. He's more than enough, but he's too much for you. You understand what I'm saying? So at that point, God could not get close to man because man has to be acclimated to the presence of God. He has to learn something about God. But God says to Moses, he said, now this time I'm coming to you and I'm coming closer. I want a closer relationship with you. So this time I'm the Lord God, Jehovah. I'm your Lord. I'm going to come and visit you frequently. I'm, I have a covenant with you where I'm going to draw you closer to me. I'm going to make you a nation now. I mean, God progressively is is developing relationship with man through these this little family that he called out Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's descendants. And that's that's the way he decides he's gonna do it. And so he pulls them out of of their their old ways, their old land, and he is in layers revealing himself to them. Because Moses is going to, the people of Israel are going to get to the point where they want to know more about God and God knows it. See, once he starts getting in, in your heart and in your life, that puts a hunger inside of everybody. I don't know of anybody that doesn't experience that. Some people, it's a frustration to them. Some people, it's a, it's an encouragement to them. Uh, some people, it's a challenge. You know, you can see it a lot of different ways, but God begins to stir us up. The little bit we know, it starts to pose questions in our minds. Well, God, what about this? What about that? What about that? That See, that that's that hunger and thirst for righteousness. And God says, I'm going to feel that. He said, that's the one hunger I can guarantee you. I'm going to take care of. Amen. So so when we get that for righteousness, that gets filled automatically. And that's what God's doing here as he calls Moses out. 
He's calling out a people. And he wants to teach these people his ways. He wants to take care of them. There's a lot he wants to reveal to them. And also, there is a promise of a deliverer that's coming through this line of people. So God's got to get them together and begin to show them what he can do. But right now, he needs to get them free. He's promised uh, prophetically 400 years ago that he would deliver uh, them from Egypt. And this is, this is the time that he's going to do it. And so, uh, God separates Moses and, and Aaron out and he sends them back to Pharaoh again. God promises them all of the things that he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is a repetitive covenant. Um, this is what we need to, to remember. Everything that he promised anybody that belongs to him in the Bible belongs to us. There's nothing that you can't claim, at least on paper, that God will do for you. Uh, but God has to put the faith in your heart for it. Just because you read it once in the Bible, he, that, it doesn't mean that's yours. That means it could be yours if you, if you deal with God on it and, and see what he wants to do along those lines. And so the only, the only exception is taking care of us. He promises everybody to be our God. That means taking care of you. So he's got a house for you. He's got transportation, got a job. He's got all that stuff for you because that's his promise. That's how he takes care of us. So over in chapter 7, we see some other things about uh, this will be Moses' first confrontation with Pharaoh. We see the first time he talked to Pharaoh to let him go, he doubled up and made it harder. So this is what we're going to experience. When you begin to pray against the Spirit, it'll look like things are going to reverse for a season. You know, uh, he does that to frighten people off. Amen. Keep you from praying. You ever, you ever thought to yourself or said to yourself, ever since I've been praying, it looks like my life has gotten harder. Everybody has that experience. It has. Why? Because he reacted to your prayer. But that doesn't mean that it's going to stay that way. That means that you've got to get your faith together and go at it again. Let's hit it again. Pray again. Just be like that woman that, that, um, uh, uh, with the, uh, wanted a judgment against somebody who was taking advantage of her. She went to this unjust judge. Well, God is not unjust, but the principle applies. If you don't get it the first time, if you've got faith in God, you keep knocking, you keep asking, you keep seeking. Amen. So God wants to raise up a victorious people, overcoming people. If he wasn't going to put up roadblocks, we wouldn't have to overcome with our faith. Everything would come to us automatically. But this is Pharaoh's maneuver. He's the one that makes it hard for you. He's the one that makes you say stuff like, man, before I got saved, I didn't have all this problem keeping a job. You know, now it sees everybody on my job hates me, you know. And so that's him. He's the one. So take authority over him. That's that's how you do that. And recognize it's not personal. They don't dislike you. They dislike when you come in there, you don't come in by yourself. You may not even be able to sense God's presence on you or around you, but he's there with you, and he makes them know it. 
So they're trying to get rid of God. They ain't trying to get rid of you. You just came with him. Amen. You think to yourself, man, all I did was ask for a a $15 hour job. That's minimum wage these days. And I'm, you act like I want the, uh, the presidency of the corporation. You know, the devil, he fights you that hard over the smallest blessing. Amen. He does, if it goes into a child of God's hands, that just irks him no end. He doesn't care if it's a dime. He's going to take that from you. Why? Because he knows you're going to give a penny to God. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Or he might give it all to the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? You know, so he just don't want to see it go out of his kingdom over into the other kingdom. That's what he's after. He's after, he thinks he can bankrupt God by taking away stealing from his people. But he'll never be able to do it. So, so this is, this is, uh, God sends Moses and Aaron again. In the 7 verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you a God to Pharaoh. In other words, I've given you my power to reveal to Pharaoh. Amen. That doesn't mean Pharaoh's supposed to worship Moses. That means that because uh, Moses is operating in God's power, it, this has kind of set him apart from from anybody else that might be coming in there amen and so that's what god wants wants moses to see so i'm going to be a good girl we got 10 minutes left for prayer and i did get a prophecy from god uh, i read it to pastor shirley she said yeah sound like god to me so <laughs> but i was concerned i've been following uh this movie uh sound of freedom that uh is is you know and and it's kind of like i'm thinking to god i said god now what's going on here i said you're shutting you're shutting the world down do you understand what i'm saying because the hollywood writers first was the writers on strike now the actors decided to join them you know pharaoh's little people know how to gang they think they gang up and they can they believe in unions okay that's pharaoh he instituted the unions we think the unions are good people but they're all working for the same devil they take on different roles to try and deceive people uh, never trust in any of these institutions folks don't get too caught up don't fall too in love with this or in love with that because these things anything of the world you fall in love with jesus he takes care of you but anyway this is what the lord spoke to me he says um this is on the 17th he says i am shutting down hollywood that wicked place the enemy is under great confusion and they are fighting one another i must um vindicate myself for satan shutting down my churches i am shutting him down and taking back sevenfold what he has stolen from my people this is only the beginning the elites will be begging christians to take their property as offerings in my house just watch what i do I will allow the minds of all the self-appointed wise men and all, he said, no, I will blow the minds. I kept saying allow. Then I read, I said, oh, that don't make sense. Blow the minds of all the self-appointed wise men and false prophets. They will all be silenced and watch in awe as I execute judgment on the wicked. Wickedness will no longer prevail. Get ready to gather the spoils. 
Houses you didn't build, gardens you didn't plant, I will be exalted in my people, says the Lord. So, amen. So, yeah, amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, amen. See, your prayers pay off. I know it's a little challenging when you'll see a lot of people doing something. You know, that's God does that sometimes to thin out the the you know, scary people. Because there are people that just go along because everybody's going along with stuff. God wants committed people. So, you know, you just just hold on to what's going on because God is He He says He can say by many or by few. He'll thin out crowds so that he can get work done. Sometimes you get a lot of people involved. They start fighting over. Jesus only had 12 disciples, and they wanted to know who was going to be the first and who's going to be the second and all that kind of. They was already setting up a hierarchy for later on. So so don't tell me what people won't do in a small group. They, they'll just do it. It's amazing 120 were left out of almost 600 people that started out tarrying. For the Holy Ghost. So God thins a crowd out. He gets down to the, the real nitty gritty, the pure in heart. And, and those are the ones that will see God. So we're going to uh, pray this prayer and, and take authority over this demon devil. Do you guys get more out of this? You understanding now how these things operate? Yes, yeah, so, cause you don't, amen. See, you need to see what it's like. Look out there in the natural where we're living now. Because he's not, Pharaoh isn't just some fictitious character in the Bible. You know, he he's a ruling spirit. We know that. But you need to start measuring it to what you see in our government, in world governments, in households, in churches, everywhere. You need to start liking that to that and just take authority. Just You don't have to go and get nobody's face and say, you demon? <laughs> Just cut it out, okay? Just do all your warfare in the realm of the spirit and the heavenlies. You don't have to go confront nobody in the flesh. Amen. You see it done in the flesh because that's how things are done in the old covenant. They didn't have a good prayer life like we have. We have everything given over to us because of Calvary. Amen. And so we can execute. Now, we have the keys to the kingdom. Jesus doesn't have them anymore. So he's waiting for us to do our thing so he can do his thing. Amen. So, okay, so we're going to pray crimes against the children. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. And thank you, Lord, uh, that we are called to to uh, war in the spirit. And, Father, we ask you to forgive our sins. We always want to acknowledge your blood when we come into your throne room, Father. We want that cleansing. And that cleansing is so important and beneficial to us. And we bind this lust, hate, and murder triad. No male babysitters over these children. We break spirits of stupor and folly over parents. We lose godly wisdom. We declare homes upright before God. The hearts of the fathers will turn towards the sons and the sons toward the father. Thank you for protection by the heavenly host for all children. We break mind occult and drug powers over children. Jezebel, we cut your cords to children. We show you no pity if you weep for them. We say, let the word of God not depart from children's mouths. That our children are raised in your nurture and admonition. We break the power of witchcraft in schools and over the children and in the home. We thank you to take unnecessary weapons out of the home. 
make uh, make parents responsible to remove, uh, put guns in a safe place if they're in the home and if they can, remove them so kids won't find them. Father, we bind strife and violence between children. We bind peer pressure to commit murder. We pray for the fruit of self-control. We break the power of gangs. We ask you to make them undesirable to the children. We break the power of witchcraft that involve, that allows kidnapping, rape, murder, terrorist spirits, and internet stalking. Jezebel, we break the power of your false family and fantasy spirits as companions for lonely or rejected children. Father, thank you to fill up their loneliness with your love and make children wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And Father, we ask you to draw the children to Christian websites, safe places where they can get edifying uh, information and get uh, things that are appropriate for children and not this this uh, uh, pornography that they're putting in schools. We break that power in the name of Jesus. We say they do not have to be taught all these lewd and lascivious things in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, for setting them free in the name of Jesus. And we declare the seed of the righteous shall shall be delivered, not big bread, hate, sin, and the devil. They'll have your covenant established in their lives and inherit all that we have in God and increase in your glory. They will increase exceedingly and of the kingdom of God there shall be no end. They will possess the gates of those that hate them. They will choose life that they may live. They will fear and glorify you, God. They will be blessed, be fruitful, increase abundantly, be multiplied, wax exceedingly mighty. They will inherit the earth, be established forever, be mighty upon the earth, and be delivered, though hand joined in hand. They will have the Holy Spirit poured out on them. We'll have the word of God uh, continually in their mouths. And we declare the glory of the latter house will be greater than that of the former house. They will be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. They will be trained in your ways, and when their old won't depart from it, they are your inheritance, Lord. And we thank you to fill them with wisdom, and that they would have favor with God and with man. They will honor their father and mother, and their days will be long on the earth, and it will be well with them. And we thank you, Father, that God's children are never for sale in Jesus' name. Amen and amen again. Praise God. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. If you haven't had an opportunity to see the sound of freedom, please make plans to see it. Just tell God you want to see it. You don't have to go running looking for anything. He'll kind of bring it to you if you if you need to have that. So he'll make sure that you get a chance. But he just wants you to want to. Amen. Amen. Why don't we do our declaration? I don't have Rona. She don't have me. I can't get Rona. She can't get me. I don't have, and you fill in the blanks. Amen. Whatever it is, high blood pressure, diabetes, lung disease, whatever it is, just just you don't have it. Just refuse it. In the name of Jesus, it don't have me. And I thank you, Lord, that by your stripes we are healed. It is so decreed. Amen and amen again. Praise God. Amen.